Here we are, back in our bullshit. <laughs> yo, <laughs> yo, it's here. It's happening. You're welcome. Damn, that was cocky as hell. Man, it's time. It's time to, to stand on what we're doing. These are great conversations. You got another one coming. This is Ergo. I'm Kiss. I'm Damon. And we're in the midst of quite a run of episodes. It's been beautiful. I love what we do. Make some noise wherever you are. <laughs> what we do here is showcase the folks reshaping the culture of our city for the more equitable and creative and sometimes we even throw a little arrogance in from time to time. It's about that time. I think we've both been explicitly arrogance deficient in our role yeah, on the show. Yeah, nah. So hopefully this doesn't that. put you off too much. <laughs> but we have another great conversation with you today. Rich Wallace. Yeah, amazing MC, organizer, and just human being. Uh, somebody I've, I've known and admired for many years, but learned so much more about his story. And now I admire him even more. He's the head of EAT, which is Equity Action Together. Yep. And a member of the mythical Chicago rap group, BBU. <laughs> um, and we talk about that so much more. We get, you know, it's another another deep dive. Yeah, yeah a Damon, gem. Damon puts on his his, uh, his radical econ hat yep, for a yep, while. Yep, 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 A gem in informal economics. This was, this was a great, great uh, perspective. So without further ado, let's get to it. Rich Wallace. Yeah. Yes. We have a wonderful special guest here in the studio. Rich Wallace is here. That's how I used to intro my tracks. What was it? I don't know why. That's a solid little ad lib right there. I like that. It was like a mix between Jada Kiss and like my Puerto Rican friends used to do something like that. So it was like a little mix between both of them. So I was like, all right, I'm going to use that. I use the Jada Kiss laugh as one of my DJ drops because Kiss... Jada Kiss. Get it. Just hit it with that. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> See, you know, that's a real hip hop edit. If you remember Jada, some people are like, you mentioned Jada, they're like, that's wild. The that's other, wild. The other yeah. one of those. You mean Willow's I... mom? No. I'm like, no. All right, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. I got to go. The other one that I do is there's a, so there's a part where he goes, motherfucking kiss. And then there's a, a song by the Cranberries that goes linger. So I'll just put those together. So like, Motherfucking kiss, linger. <laughs> That's a new. I'll gotta, put it. I'll put it in, in oh, post. Man. Motherfucking kiss, linger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we always like to start the show the same way, which is in this time, this moment, this season. How is the world treating you, and how are you treating the world? You know what? I'm putting my best foot forward in the world. I really paying it forward. The world has been, has been, man, my higher power. Uh, my ancestors have really been holding me down through 2019, hmm. through 2018. It's been since since 06. So um, I'm just forever grateful for that. My mentors and everybody else have been holding me down. And, uh, yeah, the energy has been great. You know, I'm staying – I keep them off, like off of social media right now a little mm. bit. You know, mm. like I'll post something and disappear. Yeah, yeah, I recommend it. Because uh, it's very unhealthy. Um, <laughs> so, like <laughs> – and that has also, like, you know, my, my depression, anxiety, and things like that, they – you don't realize how large of an impact what you digest visually mm-hmm. has on you. Mm-hmm. So if you wake up in the morning and read like a hundred horrible stories, like you're gonna feel horrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just like I don't want to go outside now. Yeah. I so, realized I realized yeah. that I was relying on the anxiety that I get from Twitter to feel fully awake in the morning. Yeah. I was like, this is part of why I'm going to this is because it wakes me up quicker. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. I, I'm not running on coffee, mm-hmm. yeah, you know? And then it's not just the, you know, the bad stories. It's also people's garbage opinions. Mm-hmm. And then it's people's dope opinions that you're now competing with. Like, oh, man, yeah. I, I'm, I should be that smart. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Now you, feel, you either feel stupid or you feel everybody else is stupid. Yeah. It's just like, damn. He uses <laughs> neoliberalism and resilience in the same sentence. Damn. You know, like, <laughs> that, that's like 100 out of the 280 characters right there. Right. How do like, you get that uh, off? Yeah. <laughs> so so you, you, just, you just mentioned 06 as a marker of something. What, yeah. What, what, what happened in 06? So 2006 is when I when I when I like basically surrendered. You know what I mean? Like I was out in the streets heavy, and uh, February 21st, 2006 is when I came in and got sober. Oh, cool. um, so that was like a very big part of my story. None of this, like anything that I've become, whether it was a hip hop thing or the activist thing, none of it's possible without you know that self uh, awareness piece that I was that it started in 06. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was a beautiful time. Back then, you know, like I was literally, I think a lot of people don't get like, I was legit homeless. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? 2006, I stayed in a homeless shelter to 2008. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I built, you know, not I built, we built. It's always a community. People don't build things on their own. That's even individuals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of that started in 06. As much or as little of that moment as you want to talk about and mm-hmm. share, what kind of galvanized the shift for you to kind of take that next step? <sighs> I think it's a lot of hitting rock bottom. A lot of the, you know, being kind of set in your contradictions. It's a lot of the, <laughs> it's a lot of the mask wearing, the the trope fitting, you know, all of those different things and being like, 06 was like a, it was a boiling point of all of my contradictions, um, and and then all of my trying to fit ins. You know what I mean? <laughs> like uh, I wanted to be, you know, I I had to, I was born in Chicago. And then my mom moved us out to the suburbs, so I was out there. I faced racism in one of the illest forms. You know, which, so, which suburb? Uh, Downers Grove, Illinois. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So I was out there amongst it, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I heard nigga my first time. I was like, who, me? <laughs> They're like, no, we're talking about the other team. And I was like playing football at the time. I was like, <laughs> oh, not your old fans. Not you. I was like, like not you, Rich. We're like, so, you're different. You know what I mean? It was like, the what? <laughs> the people That's on the weird. other team. You're like, I'm pretty sure I'm on that team. <laughs> right, not, I might not be on that team, team, but I'm like, on that team. Physically, I'm not on that team. So it's a, it's a very interesting space. So you're like, hold on, I think we're playing like Morton in football mm-hmm. in a football game and they were like niggas and I was like the fuck is you talking you know who the fuck is you talking to you know what I mean yeah. and it was like oh no not you and I was like but then who you're different <laughs> I mean all of us yeah. I mean yeah so yeah. I mean that 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 was that played a part in it so being out in the suburbs and getting like a, a fistful of racism and being mm-hmm. like yo I don't fit in out here um, going and then from there I ended up going to prison like not even six months later for two and a half years oh, um hmm. And then while I was back there, it was like I had to be a savage. You know what I mean? Like I don't know that I don't. I didn't think I. Well, I didn't have to be, but that's what I chose to be <laughs> in order to survive back there. So it was a lot of, you know, I was gang affiliated and all of those things. Uh, and then uh, that was probably my. You no, know, I was like my mom used to always say I was like uh, like a chameleon. Wherever you put me, I become that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had I wore a lot of masks throughout my life, and I think 06 was like the coming. And a lot of the masks that I wore were definitely because of my drug addiction, hmm. you know. Um, and drugs became like the the one thing that I was like, you know, I ain't got to be black. I ain't got to be, you know, I ain't got to be a thug. I ain't got to be this. I got to be that. I got the weed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like everybody would come and kick it, you know what I mean? Because I had the weed, you know, or I had the whatever. So, you know, uh, hmm. 06, you know, came around and it was just kind of like my mom had given me a call and she was like, uh, it was a, ma- a major part of my story. She's like, are you done yet? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you come with moms. the yeah, yeah, shout out to black moms, you know. I uh, 
And I was like, what you mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> no. And, like, and, it was just like, and it was like, you know, she's like, and she said, and she said something else. She's like, because your, your people are waiting on you, you know? Mm -hmm. um, Matt was a deep piece for me. And it was like, all right, what are they waiting on me for? And I still don't know. But I'm just walking in it now. You know what I'm saying? Were like, you supposed to be meeting her somewhere? Is that what it was? <laughs> exactly, right? Where, where, where are they waiting? You, know, uh, like you were like, oh, this is a beautiful symbol. She's like, no, 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 you're late. <laughs> you're late. You're late. No, no, no. So I ended up getting, I mean, that day I ended up getting on a bus and traveling back to Chicago. You know, I, I thank God for like the homeless shelter, the place that I was at, stayed in Haymarket Center. <laughs> I used to tell people I lived in the West Loop. I did. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> Right around the corner yeah, from Soho. Yeah, right around, right around, right, you know where Soho is? I used to live right up top. <laughs> uh, and now I I sit in Soho sometimes and look up and be like, bro, like, it's so wild. Yeah. You know, and it's still, I mean, the, the place is still open, but it's just like light years away, you know? Hmm. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that was that was 06 and coming to self moment. You yeah. Know? Mm. I want to come back to the present, but before we do, let's go further back. Yeah. So be, before the move to the Burbs, yeah. where was home? What were the, the kind of sights, sounds, and smells of your life? Yeah, so St. Stephen's. Um, it's the only subsidized uh, project housing that still exists over here on the west side. It's right off of 290, off mm -hmm. Western and 290. Mm -hmm. We used to live across the street from Rockwell Gardens. I remember Domenzio's Pizza. I remember backflips on mattresses, <laughs> basketball courts getting knocked out. I remember a lot of things from, from those days. And, like, the whole family, like, I'm talking about generations of folks still live there. Some of our folks still live there. But our family, like, lived in the row houses, and it was, like, my niece and nephew hmm. on this side. I didn't know my, my cousins on this side, my cousins on that side, you know, like, so we went outside. It was, like, deep. We was all the tailors, you yeah. know. Um, so, you know, I remember just, like, you know, collard greens being cooked and everybody eating together, everybody sleeping foot to mouth, you know what I'm saying, on the floor. And whichever one of these row houses, you can go to any one and find any of the kids, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was like, and they knew that they were safe. You know, um, I remember mm. safety was real. And then when people talk about it, about all the violence that was going on during that time, this is in the, 90, in, in the 80s and 90s, you know, we didn't see it. You know what I mean? Like, wow. we got we got fights. We had fist fights. I remember, like, we did watch, like, grown-up movies really young. Like, we were watching, Fri like, uh, uh, Friday the 13th, like mm -hmm. that Freddy joint. Mm -hmm. I remember we're all sitting at a TV watching it. And that was, like, not okay. <laughs> I tell my wife You're all like, the time, I'm like... What's wrong with that? She's like, that's not okay. Like, we grew up around violence. It was the movie Friday the 13th. <laughs> exactly, right. Or like, Menace to Society. And, you know, like, we shouldn't have been watching that that young. But besides that, like, I remember it was just, uh, it was love, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So, in that, um, when you say you didn't see it, how do you, uh, We let me figure out how to rephrase that. We've been talking a lot about myth-making on the yeah. show. It's like come up three or four episodes in a row. What are the uh, the myths that you either tell yourself or try to resist creating for yourself about that time or the move to the burbs or you know because we all craft our own stories yeah, right yeah and you it sounds like you've done some recreating of yourself multiple times so right. so what are the, some of the myths that have been useful for you and that maybe you're trying to like push against I guess the the myth that I definitely want to push against is that in the, in the presence of pain like. That love that there's an absence of love in the presence of pain, right? Hmm. Like I think that's 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 really and that's that's essential. Like people always think that like oh well there's there's there or in the midst of poverty that like love is absent, right? Like right. it's not like that. Like folk, poor folks are laughing right now. You know what I'm saying? They're smiling right now. They're having fun right now. They're living right now. And I and I've lived in different different spaces economically. Yeah. And I've seen 
you know, and I've seen love in every space that I've lived in. Um, mm. So I think that a lot of times it's like, we need to help them. We need to help them. And you don't know how much some people can help you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I've seen rich, wealthy people that were miserable. You know what I'm saying? So it's not just about, you know, not just about economics. There's a lot of very miserable rich people. <laughs> a lot. Like a lot. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem. Who is, <laughs> it's a problem. Someone has the, some comic, I can't remember, it's like, you know, people, it's like money can't buy happiness. And then everyone's like, yeah, let me find out for myself. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I hear you, but let me just test this hypothesis, you yeah, know? Yeah, let me have, let me balance my, my count out for once. <laughs> <laughs> so, first I just like, it's time to give you some gas. Right. Right. You, you just have been somebody I really admire and respect and just the way you operate and just your presence. Oh, and even just in these first few minutes, like I didn't even know these parts of your backstory. So one, I just want to show you love, thank you know, you. and thank you for being here. And you just, you're just somebody I really rock with. So I, I, I want to get 06 as this marker of you transitioning into right. more of who we know you as now. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, my entry point to you is definitely artistically and culturally. Uh, but as I've gotten to, you know, see you and as time has evolved, you know, I, I really see the, this political basis at you. And so, you know, obviously they are in concert, but did one predate the other you know did you did you get in the studio and like try to be more woke and then that took you to, to the streets or were you in action and then you were articulating that culturally what was the what was the first like step self-critique was my first step true you know what i'm saying yeah. and then like it grew into something else like i think um my mom my family you know my father his name is mike smith passed away in prison uh he was serving he was serving 28 years like on his 28th year something like that mm. but he passed and um and he used to send me, I remember my first set of comic books were like all black history. It was like Crispus Attucks, Lewis Latimer, and like, you know, Harriet Tubman. I was like, what is this? I want Spider-Man, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, where is where is Wolverine? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is great. You know, this is a steam engine. Wolverine doesn't go to that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, so so this was this is what it was giving me, right? So, you know, um, so my mom and my father... Uh, they played a big part in in the politicizing of me. I also came up in a family. My mom was a she had a prison ministry back in the eighties. You know hmm. what I'm saying? So she would bring me back to behind the prison walls and all of that kind of stuff. And them brothers back there, and sisters back there, because we went from Dixon to Menard to Stateville. You know what I'm saying? They really those were the folks that put their hands on me and raised me. You know what I'm hmm. saying? In this work and in this movement. And uh, 06, I was living with that consciousness, right? <laughs> and then like living in spaces where it wasn't like. I couldn't really express my knowledge around it. And then 06 came around, and um, I think, like, 08 is when I began to pivot, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. around, like, being outward-facing on my politics, you know hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Are you connecting the dots internally, even if you don't have an outlet to be making those points to other people? I mean, I think I was in such a blur, which I think a lot of the folks, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't say a lot. Folks that I was around were definitely in a, in a, in a, in a blur. We're masking our pain with drugs and alcohol. And mm-hmm. then once you can get that ma- get out of that, then you can start to see how the systems um, at play play a part in the decisions you make, the trauma you feel, and the reason you chose to pick up and drink and use, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. so heavily. So it was like, first, let's 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 kind of, let's, let's, um, let's, let's, like an onion let's peel back this layer right and get to a place where you love self and then the more you love yourself the more it becomes evident that there's other things that are being placed on you to make you feel the way you feel right yeah. so i became like and i don't like an like like uh, <laughs> like i was flipped inside out you know what i mean like yeah. and i became real sensitive to the to the world mm-hmm. and seeing the world you know 
I just want everyone to know how hard it was to resist making a Shrek reference, <laughs> like, like an onion. I was like, oh. or like a parfait. Everybody loves parfaits. <laughs> but I chose not to do it because you were speaking about your emotional soul. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's, it's important great. that the people know yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that no. was there. Fun fact. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> onion is a parfait. And so, and so it's, it's, it started yeah. with, with, with this you know, internal self-analysis yeah. and critique that then like made you more sensitive to how the world Affects and impacts and has shaped you. Was treating you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did that first like manifest? When was the like the step of like, all right, now I'm acting on this? I think it was like so. I met this dude named Jason Perez, ah, right? And this, big uh, big, yeah, the big homie. And I met Jay, and Jay was wild. Um, Where'd y'all meet? Uh, we met. Do you remember like the specific time? We day, met. Space? I think it was like I, it was we we're playing spades. Uh, at a party against each other yeah each other. And, then, and then like Jason came to the table like he could play right and I was like man I've been to the joint I could set the deck and win regardless you know what I'm saying <laughs> so like, he sat down and we played space I think we played against each other and then from that day forward we were like you know we were like cousins for a bit you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and he was one of the folks that kind of was like alright you know about Malcolm and you know about Huey but do you know about you know Patricia Hill you know what I'm saying <laughs> do you know about you know yeah. a Bell Hooks yeah, and yeah. I was like is you talking about G like yo <laughs> white people hate us you know what I'm saying <laughs> like you know what I mean so there was nothing about like you know like masculinity or like the you know the privilege and all that other stuff so he brought in another layer of it and this and was 08 this is this is like 08 you know okay. what I'm saying so I'm starting to grow and then we started making music and 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 like my music was our music was often predictive but it wasn't like that was who we were at that moment you know what I'm saying like I don't know if when Dead Prez made their album they were really vegetarian you know what I'm saying like you know what I'm saying so we put the album Bell Hooks out you know what I'm saying before really of many of us were taking you know taking like um uh, a feminist lens seriously yeah. right a black yeah. feminist queer feminist lens seriously so you know, um, and then we made songs like Outlaw Culture. And, um, you know, I don't know if we were 100% like sold on the ideas of our own doctrines. You know what I'm saying? Or that we even thought that that shit was doctrines. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, y'all would do it like the opposite rapper thing, like right, rappers who like, don't got the chains. Exactly. Right, 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 right. You know right, what I'm right. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, I would, I would rap, most of my content was about things I lived. Mm-hmm, you know right. what I'm saying? And it just kind of went with the, with the, with the theme. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, my pop, pops was in prison, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was gang involved, I was in the streets, you know, like, and I was protesting at the time, you know. So those were the things that I would kind of rap about. But I think, like, I think we were, were ahead of our, we were ahead of our, Yourself. our ourselves, yeah, 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 yeah. you know. What, what were you protesting at the time? So I think uh, there was there was a lot that we protested over the years. I mean, I think it was before it became like, and let me say this lightly, right, like, <laughs> you can say it hardly too. right 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 um, I remember when we would show up and there was a protest at like Alderman Troutman's house, office and Alderman Troutman had like stole some money gave some property away da, da, da. She you know like, a, yeah, like an Alderman like an Alderman like a Chicago you know, Alderman just a quick little fact that like it makes sense but did not know as a fact over the last 30 years 30 Aldermen have gone to jail <laughs> really? To yeah. one a year? Yeah. Hey, quota. Oh my god. Shout out to quota. Shout out to Chicago keeping that, keeping that, that consistency. Oh my God. That is crazy. Yeah, we've had 30, 30 in, and that's just the one that like have been imprisoned, I think. Yeah. Right. Like not been charged, not been investigated, or not got away with corruption. Right, like daily. Um so <laughs> right. man. Oh man, he yeah. got off. He's somewhere He's getting off. I mean, it was like Ed Burke. 
the fact that he got reelected with 29 guns in his office seized by the FBI and he was like, no, 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 I'm still going to pull 80% in my ward. <laughs> yeah. That seems like a, like a logical reelection. Is the, it's yeah. part of why, and we don't have to go yeah. too far down the electoral moment, but yeah. like, it is why this time feels so interesting, right? It's because you're getting all these new faces in runoffs and getting elected and at the same time he's getting real. It's like things are changing rapidly and exactly how they've wait, always been at the wait, exact wait, same wait, time. Wait, 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 I didn't like look that. He's getting reelected. This Oh, he got reelected. Oh, yeah, he got re-elected. Like, like, without even like I thought he was going to jail. That don't matter. That hasn't happened yet. <laughs> it's, it's giving the streets hope. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> you, go to, you can become alderman with 22 guns in the closet. Yeah, it don't matter. I, I thought, <laughs> no, he, I after that. the FBI raid, after they shut after down the his office, after the wiretap, he got reelected at like 75%. That's crazy. I didn't even know that. I just assumed like, oh, we finally got him out of here. No, 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 no. no. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> he's not, he's not going anywhere. He's got a war chest out of this world. That is, Dudes are making deals since deals was yeah, making deals. That's more crazy. funny than it is sad. Yeah, it sad. feels so it's right. Yeah, yeah, It feels so Chicago right. <laughs> Real talk, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so 10 years ago, you know, oh, yeah. So we're, when we're, he only had ten guns, in the <laughs> right? When he, this is probably, he probably had a probably had a, like a bazooka back then, because <laughs> um, this is like yeah. So I mean, we were protesting all of that, and, and I think a lot of things were around mass incarceration during the time. Uh, this is also the new Jim Crow was probably just coming out, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so we're doing a lot of work around that. Um, you say we? We used to have a thing called the the, the Black Collective, which was like Martine, uh, Makalani, uh, myself. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and Jason and Charity and, and other folks. So we were, we were or, like semi-organizing then, but it wasn't anything that was like very structured. Mm-hmm. It was like we would meet and discuss, you know, topics and show up to different protests. And then uh, I met a lot of folks out there in this work. But yeah. Hmm. yeah. So you, you start kind of dipping your toe in. Had you been making music at earlier stages in your life? Yeah, I want to find those freestyles. Boy, I used to be wild. <laughs> I was gangbanging in every freestyle. I also didn't think I could rap unless I was lit. That was a big, yeah. that was a big hurdle to get over. Like, yo, can you do this sober? Because I used to be, uh, you know, off a of, off a of blunt and some and some E and J. I could freestyle all night. So you right, was just right. like, all right, walk away, bro. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, can we get it? You can rap. And then <laughs> point has been proven. Right, proven has been proven, man. No more entendres. We got you. <laughs> um, and then once I got sober, I was like, can I do this? And it started with like spoken word. That was like my hmm. first piece. It was okay. like doing spoken word. And then I would, you know, and then I kind of merged into hip hop. What, what, what spaces was, was that at? I was going to touch of the past with like momentum. I used to follow this dude named Red Storm around the city of Chicago. Oh, yeah, no uh, Emerald Green, Binky, and Ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to touch all of those different spaces and go and spit, you know. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. Are there any particularly spoken word tropes that you employed that now you're like, oh, man. Trip, trip, trip. No, um, <laughs> no. I mean, I think during that time it was raw. Like spoken word was raw. It was like kind of like new. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So everybody had their own like, you know, like some people were really passionate, and the delivery wasn't necessarily all that great. Mm-hmm. But it was just like you got like the Tupac thing, where it's like you yeah. just feel it, like right. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm riding with you. <laughs> and then you had some. I mean, there was this almost every poem you heard was new, and then momentum was this dude that just was like. Every time I would hear him spit, I'd be like, wow, how did you do that? And I used to write poetry on the way back to the shelter hmm. and then mm-hmm. come back and bomb. And they'd be like, yo, where did he go? And I'd have to leave to get back by 11 o'clock. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right, so right. I would dip to get back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like, yeah, like those folks are really the people also that groomed me. was like, I think poetry was my, my first like resilience practice. Like, yo, mm-hmm. I'm trying to deal with all of these thoughts in my head. Let me write them out. So I would just write poetry. Hmm. I like that language, resilience practice. Yeah, that what, was my resilience What practice. are your resilience practices now? 
Arizona's practices now, you know, PlayStation. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. So, again, sp- I, I still write. You know what I mean? Like, I got an album coming out. I have oh, no expectations no. around it. You have I, an album coming out? I consistently keep making music. Well, me and yes. Allo got a project. Me and Allo got a project Who? dropping. Allo, he's a producer. Okay. Um, and uh, we just got a project dropping. I just continue to write because it's, like, part of my madness <laughs> solution. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's mm-hmm. like... Yeah, so I'm still doing that. What do you think it does for you? Kind of what's the mechanics of it? Right. It's just like sometimes I'll be driving, four bars will come to me or the beginning of a poem will come to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm just like, oh, wow, like, let me pull over real quick. And then I'll start pulling, I'll pull over. And next thing you know, I got a whole poem done. <laughs> but oftentimes it's also so I stay, I stay, um, some, one of my mentors told me, he said, um, restrain the tongue and pen. You know, like everything that's on your mind ain't got to be said. <laughs> so I'll be in meetings sometimes and I completely disagree with folks, <laughs> right? But it's like, I'll stay humble, I'll stay quiet, and I'll get in my car and I'll write a poem about it. Yeah. And then I'll just get, I'll get better. And there's been other things that I've dealt with. And I think specifically, and I'm, I'm going to pivot a little bit, in this, in this movement world, I've dealt with more trauma than I did in the streets. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like in the streets, you, if, you, if somebody had smoke with you, you would just, you would handle it face-to-face, and the next day, y'all could be best friends. Right. right. Here, it's, like, extremely passive-aggressive, yeah. right? And it's, like, and then it's extremely, like, manipulative and, like, and hurtful, and, in, and you know, in ways that it's, like, hold on, like, yeah, yeah. bro, We're like, let's box, you know what I'm saying? Like, can we box real quick and just, you know what I'm saying, like, get this out the way? But it's, like, so you, but you can't, you can't do that, right? So, and then also everything you say is, like, under a microscope. Right. So like there's a lot of intention and things that you could have you could have just stayed quiet about and then like took it to a pad and wrote hmm. it out. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Let, let's analyze that, right? Cause man, to to hear that, because you know, I, I wasn't in the streets in no type of way. I'm gonna be one hundred. Okay, back cool. Then, right? <laughs> I, it's all good. <laughs> but if, you, you know, ain't got no back yeah, nah, nah. <laughs> But have, you know, proximity and perspective and right. you know, a, 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 a somewhat of a comfort to understand it. But like being in this world it is a lot of absorbing trauma. It is a lot of like contradictory conflict, right? Like yeah. conflict that does not line up with who we say we are or yeah. what we say we want to be. And 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 I think a lot of um deflecting trauma, right? Cause because right. these are these accepting spaces, right? You can like throw a lot of shit at people that you wouldn't you know, you would have to box over well, yeah, in, 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 in another realm. And so I want <laughs> let's analyze that, right? Like right. why do you think that is the, the space that is is perceived or imagined to be so dangerous and so, you know, right. so traumatizing right. in, this, in the, the space that is around love and healing that trauma, it, your experience has been like kind of the reverse of that. What, what do you think yeah. is at the root or the core of why, why that shape looks like that? I'll, I'll say like a little story, right? Like I remember back in my little, my, my little street days, right? There was a dude that had stole some money. He was like a brother of ours. You know, he got caught stealing the money. Mm-hmm. So they gave him like a violation, right? They beat him up. And after they were done, they 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 brought them right back in the community immediately. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the next day, everybody was kicking it together. Now, I don't. I think it also that also <laughs> has a lot to do with toxic masculinity. Right, There's a lot right, of things right. that play in that, right? right? So I'm not saying this is a this is the cure, right? right? <laughs> and four folks, you know, come and be like Richard. Richard was in there saying that we need to beat everybody up. No, right? I'm talking about the practice of bringing people back into community. I think that is something. When you are in the streets, you don't have a choice mm, but to right. bring people back in the community. Mm-hmm. And I think in different spaces, you have a choice. And because you have that choice, you can leave people out way longer than they need to be. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, you know, specifically, yeah, around ways that we, we try, we identify as family real quick. 
Like I love this person. This is black love. All of this other stuff. Yeah, yeah, love yeah. doesn't let go that easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know we, what I'm saying? We, we do and, throw that out too early. And and then like and when and when people feel that, I think I've seen people have adverse uh, you know effects about that. So mm-hmm. the way I move in in movement space and 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 community space is I maintain my humility by 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 hold on to that principle of like restraint of tongue and pen. Mm-hmm. Because everything that I think doesn't need to be said, and at every point needs to be argued, because some people are gonna live until they feel that contradiction, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, okay, y'all think that's the best way to do it? Cool, let's do it. And I'm gonna walk with y'all, mm-hmm. right? And then, damn, it didn't happen. I'm not gonna be all like I told you so. I'm just like, all right, cool. Well, let's mm-hmm. let's try this route out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like I don't know. It's just a. I've also been around for a while. I feel like I'm an old soul. So yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like I just, I can't. I'm not gonna tell you. And force you into thinking the way I think. I went through what I went through to make me think the way I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? You're going to have to go through what you're going through. You dig? And then, like, it is a humility for yeah. sure in what you're describing that I think a lot of people struggle with, especially when what you're trying to do is cast a vision for what you think the world's supposed to look like or can look like and then work to get there. Mm-hmm. To, to follow someone else's lead and be open to shifting your vision in conversation with them is something that I think... I know I and I think a lot of people struggle right. with, you yeah. know. Man, it's interesting. I, it's, it's, those are like really two big ideas of like humility and restraint. But then I also hear you naming the importance of like directness and how mm-hmm. indirectness and like passiveness can kind of like perpetuate some of these trauma and conflict. And so I'm trying, I'm trying to like distill a lesson from that, right? Because what I heard is like a direct engagement, maybe not violent, but like a direct engagement and then re-entering the community is like a healthy model and kind of like letting these things fester and, you know, be be passive about it can really escalate escalate, things. We also want to be humble. Right. So I'm hearing like three things that are kind of like... Accountability is... mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest... I'm going to say this, right? I think one of the biggest contradictions, right, right now is that we're not doing the work to build the alternatives that we dream of, right? So like unless... Like what does accountability look like? What are those steps like? And it should be a manual or something like that that we that we say, okay, this is how we're going to do it. And and I also say this about the streets is that they have created manuals. Right. right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like they might they, not always be the most, the most caring, but there is a way a things are These done. are frameworks. Yeah. These are frameworks for like, yo, like, and, and, and they don't call the police. Right. right. They're frameworks right. that are outside <laughs> of the constitution. Literally, explicitly. <laughs> right. Right. They, yeah. they, you know, they, they <laughs> are, they're all alternatives. And I think the more we our movement faces inward to like our communities, mm-hmm. um, we will pull gems, you know what I'm saying? And we right. will create gems together to be like, yo, this is how we do this. Right. right? And like, I think but there's, 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 there's obviously some, there's some disconnect there. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the humility of, like, people have been doing this and building these things for themselves and their communities, even without grants and organizations and, you know, access to space. Like, that's just what people do. do. Yeah. And so how can you learn from and amplify and contribute rather than, like, starting from scratch? So I'm curious for you as yeah. someone who – we haven't mentioned it yet, but you're in the, the stages of building a yeah. new container. Yeah. Um. How are you thinking about that feeding into other work? And for those who don't know, what is uh, the org doing? Yeah. So the name of the organization is um, Equity and Transformation. Uh, Eat, E-A-T. We all deserve to eat. Uh, um, everybody eats. Yeah, everybody eats. Um, and it's a, and it, the, the mission of the organization is to build social and economic equity for black Chicagoans engaged in the informal economy. 
Uh, and essentially, what we what I saw there is like when Elton Sterling was killed selling DVDs, and when mm-hmm. and when um, mm-hmm. Eric Garner was sell, killed selling loose squares, and the countless um, uh, like Kiana Blankley, countless trans and cisgender commercial sex workers were killed due to toxic masculinity in the U.S. It was like, okay, well, what? There's a, there's a specific way that I felt like they interacted with the U.S. economy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and I was always and I was also a labor organizer, right? So it was like. But are you? Do you consider these folks laborers? Right, right. And then when I began to analyze and look at the history of it, it was like, man, bro, like our people have never clearly had access to this what we call the formal economy. Right. And the second we walk in the door into the formal economy, we have to become formal, right? And what is formal means is like anti-black, right? <laughs> that means we got to cut off our locks, we got to pull up our pants, we got to we got to change the way that we talk. Yeah. All of these anti-black, a- and you know, ableist, transphobic, homophobic, you know. Things arrangements that that is the formal economy, and even just culturally, right? Like the thing that like has been big for me is is the fact that we have to wear the garb that is the garb of imperialists, right? right. Like the American suit comes from military, right? right? And that's making it, <laughs> yeah. making it, making it. Ain't all the people I know that that made it that hate their life, yeah. right? That as soon as they get off work, they're like, "Man, Joe, fuck this, light up a blunt." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But they, at, how you doing? Nice to meet you. You know how hard it is to fit that trope all day. Yeah, well, you know what I'm saying? Like that's like, yo, like you I'm see, like, sorry to bother you. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> the voice stuff of that, you know, exactly, the and what that does internally, yeah, it just causes a lot of conflict, right? So it was like, all right, I would, I had set up like programs for folks, like workforce development programs. We had trained like three hundred black folks to come out and work jobs, and the whole idea was that if black folks only had jobs, they could be better, hmm. right? And out of those three hundred people that we had trained, about ten of them. Five of them got full time jobs. The other hmm. five got like part time jobs, mm-hmm. and then out of that. The retention of those folks throughout a course of a year was zero. Mm. So everybody fell off, mm. right? And there has to be something to that, right? right? There's more to it than just like that. So I, I was talking to one of the shorties, and he was like, man, Joe, it was too far. It took me out of the community. They was paying me minimum wage, and da 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 da, da. And it was like, it was too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, they was getting paid every two weeks. The first check was held to the last. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of things about it that just didn't necessarily add up. So... He had higher bills and whatever, right? So yeah. um, my thing is like, okay, well, how do we then, you know, really uh, bring this voice into democracy? Like, I believe in democracy wholeheartedly, right? Like, that um, if you're impacted by something, essentially, or a decision that someone's made, you have a right to play a role in that decision, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. part of the work is about bringing our people into the forefront and sending their voice in our, in our, in our democracy, and then um, developing interventions so we have safer communities and, and a more equitable economy in Chicago. Like, I'm a very, I'm an economically focused person, right? Yeah, like, I'm mm-hmm. like, access to economy is key, right? Specifically in a capitalist country. Yeah. Um, so we need to figure out ways our people can access economy without necessarily having to change everything that we are in the door. Yeah, how yeah. do you have access to an economy without being beholden to it and <laughs> destroyed by it? <laughs> right, 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 right. And, 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 like, the streets is just, yeah, I think it's brilliant. And it also was just, like, how can I stay in the community without having to leave it again? again yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be rooted in the community. I don't want my analysis to go beyond the streets. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? What do you like, mean by that? What's the danger if it does? The danger if it does is that you're talking over everybody's heads. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you're not speaking to their everyday, like what is their issues? And then what I notice is that the right is also in a position right now where they're willing to exploit our contradictions. Right. Right. They're willing to say, oh, y'all black and Latino solidarity. Really? Okay. Well, we finna let 20 black folks out of prison and we finna lock up hundred Latinos and we gonna see how y'all act. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and like, and like, and, and then, and then, and then they wait, and they're like, "Oh, okay, we see where that solidarity's yeah, at." Yeah, yeah. 
Like, so I'm like, yo, before we start going out here preaching this, let's do the work. And yeah. not just between the, 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 the folks that have degrees and can speak neoliberalism fluently, right? Or, you know, are, are mm-hmm. speaking this terminology, speaking theory fluently. Let's yeah. talk about everybody in the community, like what's happening on the ground level. Yeah. And on the ground level, what I noticed is that there are some major um, challenges between black and Latino communities, right? Hmm. And if you just go out and you claim it right up front, and then the community's looking up at you like, we don't get it. How'd you get there? Right? There's a lot that went into it. It's like, oh, there's a class analysis. Through that yeah. class analysis, we didn't see this. Mm-hmm. Through the anti-black racism, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You apply all of these theories and you get to this end goal or this end solution, this end theory. Many proclaim it without actually doing the work of helping other people come along that path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's about like bringing people up that ladder with you and then being like, okay. And then also using the same thing I said before, like humility. Some people that I talk with right now, they transphobic, they homophobic, they, you know, they mm-hmm. sexist, they da 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 da. And the same thing I do in the movement, I do, I do in the space. I'm not gonna sit there and like ostracize you. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like and tell you, oh no, da da da. It's like, okay, well, let's work through your contradictions. Right. Because we all have contradictions, you know. Mm-hmm, yeah. I don't know anyone who isn't carrying some of those things and mm-hmm. perpetuating those things. Like that's we that is a way that we are passively acted upon and then actively act, right? Yeah. Is that we internalize and then and then send out. So I'm curious, you mentioned, you know, some of this coming from seeing those contradictions in the context of organized labor. Mm-hmm. Um so what was the work you were doing there and what are you taking from that world? Into this work, working in the you know what was the term that you use the informal informal economy, economy. yeah yeah well what I learned in the in I was working at a place called JMA and what I learned there was just the assumption that like <laughs> let me put it like this these white folks was working hmm. you know what I'm saying it wasn't What's the a, JMA. Uh, this is Jobs Move America. It was I was doing inclusive procurement organizing. I'm not even gonna get into that language. It's, it's whatever, right? <laughs> I like that. I like the thought. I was like, and they, <laughs> I heard some white folks talk about it. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna do that, yeah, right? Yeah. I want to learn how you. I want to take that tool back to the community. Mm-hmm. But um, so work plans, you know, like how to be efficient at what it is that I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. Right, like efficiency templates. Yeah, you know, it's one thing that white folks have is yeah, efficiency templates. templates. Right, right, right. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> like machines. I was like, damn, like, your work plan is full. You don't take no break. Like, my lunch breaks used to be like two hours. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know what that looked like. So, so like, I took I took some of that from them, some strategy, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I'm going to say take, I, I mean, they use me and I use them, right? It was yeah. vice versa. I was a black face that you could put up and say, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. this this was an exchange. And for that, this is like an internship. I'm literally take, I'm taking from you yeah. um, the same way you're taking from me, right? So it was like all of those different tools, and I wanted to use those same tools within the community. So now it's like using the templates and teaching folks that are, our 100% of our staff is, is formerly incarcerated. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? I can't say on the record that I only hire who are formerly incarcerated folks because that would put me in trouble, but 100% of our staff is formerly incarcerated. <laughs> what you trouble know what would that put you in? It's discriminatory mm-hmm. employment thing. You can't only hire, you can't have a policy that says we only hire, hire anything. Anything, okay. Even mm-hmm. though the seat, like, uh-huh. Facebook is all white accidentally, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> We have just, a few. Yeah, as, Tr- as Trump said, it's just the best people. It's just the best people. That's, so that's just that's just the blanket policy. So yeah, anti-discriminatory you, em- employment. You can't say we only hire, even if it is discriminated against people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's no power analysis in it. Yeah, they're just it's a, you can't like just, any group only hire one group. Huh. Yeah, but luckily, 
We had a group of candidates that applied for the position that were all formerly incarcerated that were the oh. best. <laughs> the best people. Candidates. It wasn't hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know what I mean? Like and then like and then instilling and and all of the folks and they're instilling in me like the you know, the commitment to the work. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like this is not an easy task, right? They're gonna be honest because we are a black led organization. Um, they're gonna be super critical. We gotta dot every I, cross every T, and we gotta do this in love. And I want I want folks to be able to say like, look, I'm tired. I ain't coming in today. Mm-hmm. I got you know I'm bringing my kid to work today. Like I want that to be real. Also, telling folks know like if this ain't for you, admit yeah. it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like like if you if you just like to talk about politics and you have no intention of going out in the streets and actually recruiting folks please let me know in the dough uh-huh. um right. and like and like having those conversations so because you need it all it's just yeah. not doesn't necessarily all fall under this umbrella so, right. so this concept is 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 so powerful and beautiful what what mm. what, what has the the implementation looked like what are some of the the activity so some of the activities are so right now we're working we're doing this thing called chronic conversations like i'll give you the outline of the program right so right now it's like finding the funding to do the research Mm. Right. Um, most interventions that are developed and that you can build policy off of and implement, you need to have some form of research done. That's like the backbone of the intervention you create. Right. Mm. Like that's something I learned in organizing school. Right. <laughs> so doing that and it's really challenging. Like they will give us money to protest. Mm-hmm. They won't give us money to research. Mm. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So I've watched how that interesting interaction is taking place. And it's like, oh, well, if you research it, you ain't radical enough. It's like, well, what the fuck you mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, the civil rights era was backed on, you right, know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and I'm not saying that was pure, but at the same time, like, there's a need to do the research. It's right? like so an actor-director dynamic or actor-executive right. dynamic, With, right? Without getting yourself a can you outline who the, the they is? Like that's, oh, a, that's philanthropy. A I mean, right, being, right. I'm being I'm being one thousand. Right, like, right. yeah, philanthropy is not like used to they're like, well, research. Like, why don't you just go get go get people? So, mm. To do mm. what? <laughs> <laughs> to do what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, uh, to do what? Like, what? And who are the people? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. What? Well, and 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 because informality or the informal economy doesn't have much, you know, context yet. We're just we're just building from the ground up. Okay. My goal is to build out informal worker associations, which are like membership groups, like chapters mm. throughout the city of Chicago, that then. Um, and build out what we call an informal worker bill of rights. <laughs> so um, that could do something like, okay, it's illegal to sell squares, right? Okay, well, then what you do is you put out a sign that says donations, and you collect donations all day, and you give away free squares, free squares <laughs> right, right? right? The same way they're doing weed in Cali, right? right? right, right like, right. what are the interventions that we can create within our community to ensure our people can progress? Yeah. How people run a bar uh, uh, informally, you know Yeah, what I'm yeah or yeah. like the weed, you know, like you go in California, some places in Cali where it's like, or other places where like you can't buy weed, we don't sell weed, but you right. can buy this button. Right, and we'll give you... And weed. we'll give you some free weed. And it's like, oh, okay, well then use that. I mean, right. and, and, and I think that, you know, anyway, so white folks so have figured that out. So bring structure. Yeah, bring in some yeah. form of structure to that and try to change, you know, the the, the, the relationship to policing, mm-hmm. right, um, uh, in, in our communities. Um, yeah, so that's some of the end goal. Hmm. I'm curious, and I, I want to, I love this informal economy term. Yeah. And I, I want to see how expansive, like who falls under that, umbrella so we've mentioned a couple of the different yeah. roles and a couple of the different types of labor can you just give maybe a rundown of of, of occupation like who, yeah who falls in that category right so we're currently working on a research piece on the occupations right mm-hmm. what people don't understand is that the informal economy is massive yeah right 40 percent of the u.s workforce is engaged in the informal economy that's 40 percent. they don't yeah. want you to know that right um 
internationally, across the globe, 70%, which right. is wild, right? Mm-hmm. And then specifically, we're talking about a working class revolution, right? If folks say, and everybody's working in the industry, right? Mm-hmm. Or they're not manufacturing, right? right. For like in the, in the way that, you know, that Marxist analysis like mm-hmm. means to exist. Right. So there, a lot of folks are just like selling what they have access to, right. right? And I went to Africa and I was like, damn, like their informal economy works completely different. Hmm. Folks can farm, Right. Bring their food to a market, flip, right? I was able to go to a market, buy cloth that was dyed by this individual, bring that cloth to this person, this seamstress who was like literally in a room that was this big. Mm-hmm. Y'all need to take video of this room. <laughs> that, that And made a full suit for me yeah. mm-hmm. and buy that suit. So I was able to buy, I was my, the, the dollar was just flexing throughout the community. Shoo, 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 shoo. Yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure he went and bought his food from this woman who was selling food here. Yeah. You can buy your gasoline from folks on the road. Right. Mm-hmm. right. In, the, in the bottles, The petrol, right? Yeah, right. They call yeah. it petrol, right? And, and then the pure water sellers, right? Or in even like the way the phones work, right? Yeah. You're buying airtime. So that means, mind, like if you want to, if you come up on $50, you can go down to MTN and buy 100, you know, like the little, you know, the, the SIM cards, right. yeah. come back to the community and flip them, mm-hmm. right? Like, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and it's not looked at like criminal, right? right? So, you know, like hmm. that, those are, I mean, you think about in Chicago, we have like the Bucket Boys and Girls, we have the Loose Square folks, the DVD folks. But that was my initial analysis. As I've grown into this, I've seen that it's it's humongous. Mm-hmm. Right. You got a lot of marketing firms, et cetera, that were were formerly incarcerated folk, may, and I don't even like to talk about this too much, may be working under someone else's license because they can't acquire a license themselves. Right. Mm. Right. So there's a whole list of licenses that black, like formerly incarcerated folk can't even access right. because, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They got a record. Yeah. But they're still so they're, they're they're taking like a percentage or a cut of what they really should be making. Mm. Mm. working under somebody else's license mm-hmm. right right so that's all informality as well mm-hmm. yeah. and, and, and so is the is is the intention to stay as broad as possible and, and see how wide it is or is it is it more focusing on where informal labor and economic activity is criminalized you're right right so we're, we're focusing in Inglewood Austin and West Garfield Park. Okay. Those are the three neighborhoods that we're focusing in, specifically on where they are criminalized the harshest, mm-hmm. right? So you're talking about commercial sex. Um, uh, we're talking about the loose square cells. We're talking about all the different informal trades yeah. where they are harshly criminalized mm-hmm. um, and building interventions from that, from that with them. Like, what is your experience? Mm-hmm. How would you like to see this? Um, yeah, and move forward. It's really interesting because I'm thinking about the where not just geographically it's criminalized, but which types of that labor are criminal and then which types are just erased, <laughs> mm-hmm. right, or not discussed. So you think about, like, the immense labor base that is domestic work and that the the resistance against that unionization that's, like, historical. Of like, mm-hmm. it's a industry that is almost exclusively women, largely women of color, largely immigrant women uh, in certain areas, and the inability or the resistance and destruction of that as a as an organizing base. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm thinking about, um, you know, kind of on the other end, thinking about culture work, and you know the exploitation that happens with mu- you know musicians. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, artists are in that too. I forgot to mention. Yeah, you know, like and the producers, artists, all of that. The like bald faced exploitation of that, mm-hmm. and the ways that you know there have been attempts to unionize artists. And that's just been knocked down step by step by yeah. step. So are there any examples of things that were informal 
that it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean got folded into the formal economy because I don't think that's the goal here. Yeah. But where the tools were given to push back and discard some of the exploitation that was happening. Right. So, well, not that, right? But part of our analysis is this, right? What happens in the informal economy doesn't stay in the informal economy. Mm-hmm. It often becomes formalized. Mm-hmm. And the problem, this co-opted, is this, the, the, yeah. it, not, not even yeah, not even just co-opted. It's <laughs> like if you want to see what racism is, Right, I and, do. And the states, been, I mean, I, y'all know, y'all know, right? If you really, really want to really look, really really look for it, right? And you want to see the states' role, <laughs> and you want to see the states' role in the development of, of racism in America, take a look at bootleg and alcohol. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Bootleg and alcohol yeah. was essentially like it was an informal occupation. Yeah. Everybody was doing it, was doing it pretty much illegal, right? Black folks were heavily engaged in the informal copy. There might have been wage differentials. There was probably wage differentials, et cetera. racism that still existed. Da, da, da. But black folks wholeheartedly had a foot in, in the game, mm-hmm. right? The state formalizes it, right? It becomes legal. Mm-hmm. And you look at the retention rates of black workers and black business, and it drops off dramatically. Meanwhile, the Kennedys build an empire. The Kennedys build an empire, et cetera, et cetera, right? So you, you understand, like, so the state, every time the state, so we're fighting right now around this cannabis legalization piece. Right. Once again, you have occupations where black folks... Right now, can walk in and out of if they want to, right? Mm-hmm. We have access to that economy if we want to when it's informal. The second the state legalizes it, then you're looking at 4.3% of black ownership within the cannabis industry. Right. Mm-hmm. An industry that's going to be worth $25 billion by 2025, right? So if we don't do something and create interventions now, so I think part of our work is addressing the transition from informal to formal, right? Mm-hmm. And ensuring black retention and all of those occupations. And the way that they did it, they enacted discrimination during, after post-liquor prohibition was in the licensing and the permits. Right. Right. So they, so it was like, oh yeah, anybody can sell, um, but you just got to have a million dollars up front and you got to pass all of these requirements and all these tests. It's just the same thing they're doing. And you couldn't have already been incarcerated for it. Right, right. And you can't all, you can't, yeah, you couldn't have been to jail unless you're the Kennedys. Uh, And and like, you know what I'm saying? So like they created, they, they policied us out. Yeah. Um. So we we have a close eye on the bill. We've been following. We have a campaign going. We're doing chronic conversations in the community, um, where we have a panelist of professionals and also community folks that were impacted by the war on drugs, and we're literally taking them on tour throughout the whole city to raise awareness around the fact that cannabis is coming. Yeah. Because a lot of folks are just like, man, I can't wait to smoke a blunt. Like that ain't what these 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 billionaire this billionaire class is thinking about. They're talking about making billions. Right. Right. And you're talking about areas like Austin, Inglewood, and West Garfield Park, where they're all over twenty thousand dollars below the per capita income in Chicago, the average per capita income in Chicago, where they're going to be setting up these dispensaries. Mm-hmm. Say that again: below twenty percent of the average, twenty thousand dollars below. Twenty thousand. The average per capita Jesus. income in Chicago is like thirty-four, mm-hmm. right? And these are the seventeen, sixteen, fifteen, right? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And and then at the same time, young African American men aged seventeen to twenty, eighty-one percent of young African American men in West Garfield Park, ages seventeen to twenty-four, are unemployed. Right. Right. Not only unemployed, unemployed and or not in school, right? Right. Right, right, right. It's a ridiculous number, yeah. right? So like, okay, that's, cool. that's everybody. That's everybody, right? <laughs> 81, 81. At this, I mean, like, at this point, we can stop counting. Like, right. We what should the, be counting who's not. Right, you know right, right. So, what a 19 at, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we, we, uh, an, unemployment rate, yeah. not an unemployment yeah, rate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I mean, thinking about all of those things, we have to figure out ways for our people. It's like, I'm all, I'm anti-capitalist, right? Mm-hmm. And, um... I think you've made that abundantly <laughs> right, right, right. So, but at the same time, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so, I'm not so headstrong that I'm like, I'm gonna deny my people access to economy in the meantime. There's a lot of people that I speak to that are like, you know, you know, <laughs> like they want black folks to stay struggling until the revolution pop off, and I'm like, why are y'all talking like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like let our people get 
access to a means to subsistence, like food, water, and shelter, mm-hmm. right? Um, and lower the violence in our communities because I often feel like, well, it's, a, it's the things that we hustle, hmm. right, that have become challenging because our people used to be the people that were selling the elotes. Right, we were selling plates out the crib. We had the candy person, candy lady person, yeah. whatever, on the block. We had all of these different networks. Numbers. Numbers. We had That's the numbers. We economy. call it policy back in the day, right? Like all of these different things. And then like once drug trade came into our community, which was essentially put there intentionally, right? A lot of folks migrated or forgot those trades, right? Mm-hmm. It's about bringing those bringing those those skills back to us, and then also the not even forgot the state criminalized right. black selling anything. Right. Like right. if you black and you selling anything, we coming for you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that could be a plate of food, and that could be a, a, a child selling a bottle of water. I had a right. lemonade stand, and the cop came shut me down <laughs> when I was like six years old in the suburbs. I was in Country Club Hills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Black folks ain't allowed to sell nothing. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, anyways. And trade isn't necessarily the same thing as capitalism, right? Like, you can sell things. You can participate Commerce. in barter. You can, you know, yeah. some of those, the the market that you were describing, yeah. obviously there is exploitation in certain ways at different points, but, like, the exchange of goods is not inherently exploitative, no. I don't think. No. That's just my belief. And needed. Like, that is how or some people communities say function. That, say that we're creating bosses. And I'm like, eh. Anyways, I'm not gonna go down on that one. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not that. Yeah, I'm just gonna put it put it very clearly because our black businesses ain't never turned into Coke, right. the Coke brothers. You know what I'm right. saying? Like I and so I don't I don't I'm not for that, right? Yeah. Um, hmm. But yeah, so. yeah. I want to I want to come I want to put a pin in that and I want to come back to like defining or a working definition of what anti capitalism is. Yeah, I think even us who are who identify, I, I think we struggle to even name. What makes some? What is capitalism, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. outside of the theory of it. Uh, but I, I want to stay stay close to where we are now because I'm really glad that you brought prohibition into the framework. And, and I'm curious how the the framework of eat and the work that you're doing is able to engage the the riskier, more stigmatized notion occupations. Of, yeah, around prohibition and around the drug trade, right? Because uh-huh. like weed is, is cute now, right? Yeah, like it's we cute. can talk about cannabis in public space yeah. and like uh we you know, that that's an easy progressive ledge, right? right. When we talk about the harder drugs, <laughs> uh yeah. you know, and, and that is central to the informal economy. Where where does the, the how's the discourse address that which internally the community views that as a uh a parasitic or or, yeah. or a danger. Or, yeah, or it feels it feels like violent and nonviolent offenders. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's like, like the, the good drugs and yeah, the bad. It's drugs. Like, yeah. It can yeah. be scapegoated in some ways. Yeah. So without getting you in trouble, I don't, right, yeah. right, no, 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 I wouldn't. Um, so I think a lot of our work is around transforming the narrative of informal workers from criminality to survivability. Right. And and the goal is that that narrative this becomes part of the whole. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're talking about childcare providers. Right. That's very soft. People are like, oh, you're so right. You're so right. <laughs> but if you could, if, if, if it's okay for the child care provider and you understand what survivability looks like, mm-hmm. right, then we can continue to build out, mm-hmm. right? So it's like getting it to scale is part of mm-hmm. is answer, answering your question, right? Mm-hmm. Getting it to scale, right? So cannabis is cute right now. Yeah. The practice of black folks taking what's around them and selling it in order to survive is what needs to be highlighted, right? right? Regardless of what, what it is. It could be widgets. It doesn't matter. Right. And right. then also what has what has what predetermines that activity, right? What does it mean? So like folks are like, you know, you shouldn't be talking about commercial sex work. I'm like, but what does that mean for a trans a trans person of color living in America? Right? Who's facing all different types of uh of barriers, mm-hmm. right, in the formal economy. Mm-hmm. And specifically and in the informal economy. Right. Too. <laughs> and in the formal economy too. So it's like my my thing is like I can't tell nobody 
not to eat unless I can put food on your plate. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So so those are the things that were, those are kind of like, I think the ways I can talk about it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like mm-hmm. I, my job is not to come in and critique the way that you, that yeah. your way to, to critique your survival. Yeah. My job is to say like, you know, to walk, to walk with you through the process of, of change. Right. You know what I'm saying? So how is that lens that you just described? And it might not be at all, but how is it informed by your own experience with uh, drugs and mm-hmm. sobriety? Yeah, I mean, so most folks don't know I'm, I'm sober, right? And I'll be on all of these cannabis panels, <laughs> and they be like, you know, you know. Um, but yeah, so in some the, ways, I think that you know, in certain people's eyes, including maybe even in mine, the just judgment, like that helps the argument. Yeah, you yeah. know, I think essentially it will. I don't lead with it much often, but ask the question one more time. How okay. does the the lens you have of like I'm not here to tell you how to put food on your table? Yeah, or as George Bush said, how to put food on your family? Yeah, um, <laughs> he was one of the smartest. Yeah, but genius, genius. your your lens for that. How, if at all, is that informed by your experience participating as a consumer in drugs? Right. So, I mean, so most of my, I think one is like, my mom used to say I was a chameleon, right? Right. So I, I go everywhere, right? I ain't scared to go. I mean, I, I mean, I know when a block is smoking, you know, I'm not one of them be like, I ain't scared to go nowhere. Like, yeah, if y'all shooting, I ain't going over there. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like it's my, I feel like part of what my calling is, is to be in those spaces, right? So I think that's essential, like being able to go into those spaces and that's like part of the work you mm-hmm. know what i mean like and yeah I yeah, don't know if no, that's yeah I, and i i think what i'm i think i'm just kind of making a stretch right no it I, no ask it, it again it's just yeah. you know the way that you were talking about the the self-reflectiveness that came out and, and the the making sense of the world that came out of your right. building yourself back up after right after sobriety. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Right. No. So like, so part of me wants, I got to go back there because that was the community that I'm from. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that is the community that where I'm from. Like most folks that I was around and I, and that I was at when I was in, when I, when I call like my bottom, we had no jobs. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like we survived three, four, five years with no jobs, hustling, whatever that we could. That is a feat. <laughs> that is a feat. Right. Like, and, and this is, this is real. So it was like, and it wasn't nobody, it wasn't no jobs looking for us. It mm-hmm. wasn't like we was dodging jobs. It was like, where y'all at? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and they just weren't there. Mm-hmm. So part of that work or part of, I guess, my analysis definitely stems from, one, I've been there. Yeah. And again, knowing that there's love there, right? And and then, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm being, I'm being very real and, like, wanting that voice to be central in the work of the movement, yeah. right? And the demands of the movement. Yeah. yeah. No, it's beautiful. So, yeah, let, let's, let's, let's. When you say you're anti-capitalist, right, <laughs> as you're doing, like, hardcore economic work, right? Yeah. Like, what is the best way to ask this question? Not how do you define capitalism. Yeah. But how do you define capitalism? <laughs> <laughs> what? what are you anti? Well, I'm, I'm anti. I mean, so, like, I want to wear, wear Jordans at the revolution. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm very much, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with my contradictions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, some folks is like... I'm anti-capitalist, and I'm like the real anti-capitalist lives like in a farm, off the grid, has kills his own cows, milks them. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like that's that dude. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah. everybody else, we all stuck in it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we are in our contradictions, right? And there isn't things that I. There are things that I do for joy, which should not bring me joy, but due to my condition and in the placement of my body, they bring me joy, right? Like so. I gotta, I gotta be my like. Condition has been conditioned. <laughs> even my condition has been conditioned, right? <laughs> so I gotta, I gotta be cool with the contradictions, fam. Like you gotta be like, all right, like I'm not gonna not go watch a movie. 
<laughs> right? I'm not gonna not. You know what I'm saying? There's there's certain there's certain there's degrees to this, and I think that it's like wherever the world goes and wherever the movement goes, I'll follow. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And when we get to the point where it is like ah, you know what I mean? Like I'll be there with it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But at the same time, like I'm gonna enjoy myself in some ways and in, in, in its own like twisted. However you want to call it, mm-hmm. I'm okay with being that person. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like some folks are just, I, and I also have been at odds with myself for months and days on end about being in my contradictions. Like mm-hmm. I'm not revolutionary enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not critical enough. Mm-hmm. I ain't, you know, why am I? Why am I spending a hundred dollars on these Jordans? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Specifically when you come from a homeless shelter, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, and you buying Jordans now, you feel a bit of survivor's guilt. Right. You feel a, a bit of, you know, like all of those different things. So I battled that, and that was definitely part of my depression. So now I just don't take my serious so seriously. Yeah, no yeah. Mm-hmm. You know some what I'm saying? Of it is like, some of that just self-acceptance, right. <laughs> you know, of like, yeah, I'm me. So. Right. Or there's, or there's like, folks, let me tell you this. This shit always blows me, right? <laughs> They'll be like, uh, I, especially like, I, I hate to say white folk. I love y'all. But anyway, y'all cool. You know what I mean? But. They'll, they'll be no, like, no, we, we don't caveat our white shade here. <laughs> this is not, He's all right. This is not, this is not yeah, that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, but let me, yeah, let me tell you, like, I'll, I'll meet like a hipster. That's the other. And it's panel. like wearing, <laughs> and it's like wearing a Che Guevara shirt, driving a, a 2019 Toyota hybrid, right? Whatever, whatever you know that hybrid yeah, car. That, yeah. And they're looking at me like in my Jordans, like I'm privileged. <laughs> like you don't get it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like. You chose to drive a, a Honda, and plus that car costs most of the right. yeah. most of the most of the things that's flicking in the hood. You know what I'm saying? Like you can throw some rims on an Impala, and it makes it look like you're balling. Yeah. That hybrid costs you like 30, 40, yeah. 30, 40 racks, yeah. right? There's a difference. Well, and that's you know, we we both have done work with with Ricky Gamboa, and it's this idea of like not radical purity, but radical insistence. Right. It's like it's not do you pass the test? It's like what do you choose to do? What's your time? And, ha- and and what are you what are you standing on basically? Mm-hmm. Um, not how do you how do you never fail? <laughs> right. How do you buy this impossible standard for yeah. the world we mm-hmm. live in? Yeah. 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 And yeah. So, that, so that's like, that's part of it. It's just yeah. like, yo, like I had to stop taking my socials. There was a time in my life where I was out here, like literally, like if it wasn't made at, by, you know, mm-hmm. an anti-capitalist establishment, I wasn't wearing, I mean, I did it all. And then it was just like, I had to back up and just show for it. So, so for for now that you've become more accepting of your content and like, you know, mm-hmm. not taking the serious so serious, are there still lines or still standards of, because yeah. I think you use the language of like, basically when the movement or the people move us to a place of standard, right? You right. follow and be in alignment with that. Have you been moved to a place of where there's a line that you draw? Yeah, so I think so. Some of my hard lines, hard stops, support any anti, any any racist establishment, any establishment that's that's um, that's that, that is uh, making money off of the ma- of the mass incarceration, transphobic, homophobic, sexist institutions. I mean, that's really hard. I mean, that, that, that's a lot because there's there's a lot. I mean, like I don't know what McDonald's policies are. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't eat McDonald's either, but I try to do things that make me feel good. Uh, right. You know what I'm saying? Like. That's eating. That's you know whatever. That's just what I do in my day. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I support black businesses. Um, yeah. How about for you? Where are your Where are your lines these days, then? <sighs> and I'll answer too. Where Where are my lines? I mean, l- luckily, I think just like philosophically, I I have become because I g- grew up so materialist and, <laughs> and 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 wrapped in like this aesthetic consumerism yeah. uh and I found ways to like rationalize it and like use different economic ideas of like why it's all right <laughs> why I got uh, these Jordans you know I, oh I own some Nike stock so I'm not like that you know like <laughs> <laughs> that, that was kind of my, my shit uh and so for for me one thing that's easier uh is I have 
my, my sense of self is so much less connected to the material and to the things yeah. I consume. So I really just don't buy a lot of things outside of like food and like getting around. And so yeah. I, a lot of my, my income now just goes to like, you know, I, I, I'm kind of like doing my own personal redistribution, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah, I just, oh, yeah, I, I just, give away a lot yeah, too. Yeah, I just keep, keep enough to like hopefully not be in a jam and sometimes even that don't work. But, you know, that's, that's really how, how it it looks for me of like giving without expecting back uh, interest-free loans or, or grants, little micro-grants. Kickstarter. But, you know, what, what I understand anti-capitalism to be is us having a, a new formation of how we position ourselves to resources and power within organized structure, right? right? Yeah. So you know, the, the, the center of capitalism is that there's a scarce amount of resources that we need to compete to own, yeah. and then the owner gets any benefit and can harm to a certain extent if it's yeah. in their interest. Uh, and so trying to get people to, to think outside of corporate structure, which is beyond just like, you know, the free market, like, you yeah. know, big, big, companies but like the way we organize our schools and our churches and all of that is rooted in like a capitalist executive power yeah. corporate ownership notion so really critiquing the idea of ownership and it's more about exchange distribution um stewardship uh and domain hmm. more than you you know this land is yours you own it and yeah. anything that comes from it is now for your your, your yeah. benefit and your profit. And then thinking of profit, right? Like to the like the, the micro grant joke, a traditionally rational capitalist actor, their right. idea is I want to get more than I give, right? right profit right, right. profit is revenue minus expenses. So I wanna I wanna always be taking in more than I give out. Right. Uh, and so trying to like just critique the philosophy of that. Uh, it is and, and how do we collectivize if there is surplus if it comes about in a healthy way right not thinking of it as profit that you own privately but something that is supposed to be shared and, hmm. and distributed yeah. where's your where's your anti-capitalist game at um so I think there's a combination of just not giving money to specific companies yeah. I mean that's kind of like base level <laughs> but it's, it's not like in a public boycott thing like I'm starting a campaign it's just like I'm gonna choose. You know, it, it seems very basic, but like, I'm not going to give my money to this place. Yeah. And I think about it a lot in terms of, you know, housing and stuff like that. Like, talk about living with the contradictions. And we've talked about this a lot about displacement and living where you live and the effects as, you know, me stepping into somewhere. But like, I'm going to make sure that my money goes to an individual who lives there yeah. <laughs> rather than a company. So that's just one line. And it's not perfect and it's not pure, but it's an insistence. Yeah. Um, and then... You know, similarly, like, I think I, I view it very hyper-locally of, like, yeah. a new business opens that is not for the people who have lived there. I'm not going to go to that business. Yeah. I'm going to continue putting my money. If it's if I'm going to be exchanging, yeah. I'm going to exchange with the people who I am at least abstractly viewing myself as accountable to. Right. You know what I mean? I, I think it's it's the – I don't think I'm necessarily doing the structural work at this point. Other than, you know, the ways that with this work, we've tried to make sure that when there are resources that we have access to, that we are bringing other people into those and sharing those resources. Right. So, like, if we're going to tour and there's money for us to bring somebody, we always bring somebody and we're not taking a cut from that. You know, we are – that is something we are providing, not something we are exploiting. Right. So, I think those those are the some of the baselines for, for how I think about it, you know. Mm -hmm. But there's always that mitigation and that navigation of, like – Right, I think, end of the day, I think building black power is essentially anti-capitalist, right? Like, I think a lot of these, 
You don't have to go too much further than what you do on your daily, on your day to day. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and I think, thank you for bringing that to remind her for me is that like, it's the small things. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they add up in a day, but it, I mean, at the end of the day, we are stuck in a juggernaut. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of like, they got this shit. Yeah. It's literally unavoidable. I mean, you cannot buy be, gas. Be using it. Like, <laughs> a dollar in itself is, is, is a capital. Did you ever right. watch yeah. the, the Killer Mike thing? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The first episode, yeah. which we don't have to go into all, but the whole kind of, first kind of episode me. was mm-hmm. the like, is it possible to function in no? Is, like, is, like, is, yeah, yeah, which so, everyone yeah. knew. And, and like the, you know, even even yeah, trying to avoid, yeah. even trying to avoid like the, the the nature of the American economy and the corporate structure is so intertwined that even like trying to point out an individual bad actor, right, is you know it's not even really it's like worth the tip the of the iceberg because at yeah. at the root level, like the the financial industry, which has ownership in any major publicly traded. Yeah, corporate. They all have insured. Like it's not even on. Like oh, McDonald's, you know, is using hamburger meat that was made in the prison. Right? Yeah. Is the fact that they are insured and their leasing structures and the way that they use payroll. Those institutions that we don't even know the names of are invested in all of the harm. Are invested in the military. In yeah. the military. I mean, that was you the know? big one. And, I was. And, and so, yeah. it, so it is all connected. There is no major American corporation that is a good one, right? I'm like, a, I'm a I'm, push I'm back. A, yeah, I'm, I'm a pivot though oh, too, pivot. right? Like, oh, I love a pivot. Yeah, like <laughs> it's almost like the assumption that your politics equates to your morality, right? Yeah. Or like, like, or like or to, or to your your politics relates to like who you are or how you are as a person. Right, right. Yeah. And I've seen that scapegoat a million times. Like I'm a communist. So therefore, like, or, or I'm this or I'm that. And therefore, like we brethren now. <laughs> Like nah, I don't give like, a damn about your you. politics. <laughs> like I don't give a damn about, about your politics, or if you are anti-capitalist or whatever, whatever you are, are you a good person? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And yeah. I think that folks and, and and like so, I agree that you need to be political, right? And you need to have an analysis around capitalism and how and what its impact is on your day to day and on your life and on your people and on on the people that you love and the people that you don't love, right? Um, but <laughs> but like I, I think I think what's more important to me now, and I'm also growing older, right? Right. I'm, I'm aging, right? And, and, and what's, what's more important to me now and the greatest contradiction that I've learned is that people's politics don't always match up to, you know, the people that they are. Yeah, right. Right? So it's like, what I want to know about you and about you is like, how are you? And I often ask people like, how you're doing? And they hit me with their politics. Uh, right? And it's just like, no, but how are you doing? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I get the world is messed up. They either get, hit you with your politics or their job. Yeah, or their job. That's the right. other one. It's like, well, I'm working on this and this. Like, but that's you are not, not your job. Like, how are you doing on the inside? And I think if you, uh, this thing called Bold, Black yeah. Organizers for Leadership and Dignity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, Charlene just shouted it out a couple yeah. of years. Yeah, it's like, yeah. that really taught me how to center on, like, who am I at my core? How am I feeling in this moment? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like my letting my body be anti-capitalist, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. and and like so like not leading with my politics, but just leading with I want to be a I want to be a good person to the people around me. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, and to yeah. my community. Yeah. And like whatever that means, and and I think essentially that is anti-capitalist for people to think about their community first, for people to think about other people to be, you know what I mean? Like it's a uh, mindfulness. A mindfulness, that's an entry yeah. point. You know, mm-hmm. and and some of that isn't seen or external, but it is like how you choose to walk through the world. Yeah. Like if you're gonna, when you if you have food that you bought that goes bad that you're throwing away because you didn't eat it in time, thinking about the people who did the work to get that food, food. to your fridge, even if yeah. you didn't need it, and something I've started doing just like apologizing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> internally, <laughs> just in my head. Yeah. Like I'm at the dumpster and I'm throwing out, you know, yeah. a a banana that was picked in Nicaragua yeah. and shipped here yeah. and put in a store and I didn't eat in time 
and just like owning like I'm sorry uh, I didn't do this. Yeah, you know, and, and, and something that's really important to, to mm -hmm. like this this like relationship to like our humanity and our economic politics right. specifically. I, I think what being anti capitalist or once we find whatever the pro of that that yeah. concept yeah, is, um, yeah. it, 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 it is, yeah, it is <laughs> yeah, it, it is placing need over demand, right? Mm -hmm. Because like traditional Western economic theory says like demand is the way that we evaluate humanity, yeah. right? Like rational act. I, I'm sorry to like no, no, break it down. No, I'm with but it. like the there's so many assumptions. We get into dialectics, brother. You know, because I, 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 I study <laughs> economics in school, right? Yeah, yeah. Economics and sociology, right? Uh -huh. socioeconomics and so one of the the major assumptions of of you know free market western capitalism is uh -huh. that there's a scarcity of resources which is not true right. uh and then the second one is that we have we only evaluate activity as if everybody is a rational actor right right and we know i mean an irrational well, activity yeah. is an externality yeah right? it's not real and so yeah. demand then is is then measured as this is the best utility for all people. This is people right. are then acting in the way that benefits themselves, and then you can like that, that's saying meeting needs, but it's not right. Yeah, and so uh, yeah. we say demand instead of needs, and so if we center what people need. need instead of what they want, and then therefore if you have a greater power to buy what you want, that then is privileged over somebody's need who may not be able to buy to yeah. to, to purchase it or to occupy that space. Right, it's right. gentrification, all of and so what what the anti capitalism to me then looks like? What does it mean to regardless of the cost, right, right, or your position and ability to to mediate cost? Right. What does it look like to meet needs? That's hmm. okay. And and then, and then that comes back to your humanity, right? right. So to your banana idea, you know. Um, you know, you needed nutrition at that time. Sometimes we have these emotional needs that maybe are desires, but we think we need to look a certain way right. oh, to yeah. feel, right, right. To, uh -huh. to feel accepted. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if we get closer to, like, separating needs from wants hmm. and, and, and really and we're so in that, bad at that because we've been taught that the oh, things yeah. that we don't even want, that we need to want them, right. and then that, that feeling of want, is the, that the desire is the same thing as need. And then we're preyed upon, right? Like, oh, yeah. especially black people with the marketing. And it's like, yeah. like if you look oh, at a yeah. commercial, it's like, it's nothing about rationality in there. Yeah, it's not no, like, no. oh, yeah. this is the net weight cost and this is the materials. It's like, Mountain Dew, fucking jump off it. a mountain. Yeah, get and, it. <laughs> uh, the Coors Light train is coming through and we about to drink this beer. You need it. And I these Jordans will make you dunk. Yeah. I ain't dunked yet. <laughs> just, just saying. I just bought a few pairs. I'm, I'm you could be like this super freak my, athlete. I want my money back. <laughs> the greatest athlete of the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, not $50. Fuck all that practice. I think about it with makeup a lot. Yeah. The cosmetics industry of like, investing on both ends right like you create the demand you know for beauty standards to look a certain way and then you sell the product that enables that person to meet that demand that you created in the first place mm -hmm. if you didn't do that work of creating the demand there wouldn't be a need for you know no one would have the desire to buy the product that you're selling and then you mark it up versus you know and, and that's where the irrationality of you know bias and oppression comes in right. of like you know the the same razor gets sold to a man and a woman and costs $2 more for a woman for no goddamn reason <laughs> oh, yeah. other than that they have created a demand that dictates that that has to be purchased. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, there's all these all these examples of how that, that how that plays out and that's where the power analysis comes in too. Well, that's I mean, if you apply if you apply black trauma to the same thing, 
that hmm. you just said, which is what this, that's, that's my analysis around black trauma. Black trauma is like a commodity in, in, our, in our country, right? Hmm. And they, not only are the people that our oppressors create black trauma, and on the back end, they create the programs to, to suffice our yeah. black right. trauma, right? Like, so they'll create a bunch of, they'll create <laughs> poverty and, and then alcoholism, all of these different things, and then they create the treatment centers, they create all of the, you know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> and get, all, get an and executive then, salary. Yeah, and an executive right salary to, to treat. <laughs> And they yeah. come in our in our same communities, yeah. and they want to do. They want to. Li- they 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 they're the they're the the, the ministers and the da 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 da. It's and they an create employment the program, <laughs> and we're gonna go back. And we're gonna save the black community from what from what you did, from right? You. Right. And 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 it, this is this is now a product, right? right. It's how a product. Go, how you gonna save me from you? From you? <laughs> you ain't even talking about like. <laughs> are you just gonna disappear when you get here? What are you What are you planning on doing? Like that's but, funny. But as like hell. The, your analysis is like I mean. Essentially, what you're saying is, if you put black trauma into that same thing, yeah, the same thing, it is a creation, is a product that is in market. Like so there's so many, mm. there's billions of dollars of industries that create money off of black trauma, and then right? there's you know the, what I'm saying, like, and, and then the tangential informal economies off of that, or other formal economy. You know, yeah. then there's the you know commodification of the art that comes out right. of that, yeah. and, you know, the different levels of that. Yeah, that's hip hop. That's 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 Basquiat, right? Like, like that's that's, that's right. everything. It's like we don't we don't we don't create. Um, goods anymore. That's that's that is what we have to trade on. Yeah, <laughs> you know, on a global scale, even. Yeah, yeah. I want to think about Damn. how yeah. the formal economy benefits and exploits the informal economy, but I also just want to talk about rap shit. Yeah, yeah, let's so get into I'm, it. So yeah. yeah, and we should head towards it. We got to yeah. be at the studio. All right, all right. Let's let's talk about rap shit. Right, rap, like, rap, like rap. basically, if the, the, the point I was gonna make <laughs> for those who need it is yeah. like the wire argument. If, like you follow the money, it's getting exploited into like development and into like the banks and all that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, y'all get that. All right. Rap Shit. Go watch the wire. We just got really deep on yeah, y'all. Yeah, yeah. We just want to let you know this is Brother Rich yeah, talking just, to you. Yeah, and the, and and your the, voice is a good ass radio voice and a good rap voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I want to go back to 2010. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know where this, if this is an actual marker, but this Maybe. is my, my radar, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I started, uh, you know, I, I finally got on the internet. I'm seeing this and I was working at Levi's with a guy, Marcus. I don't know if you remember yeah. Marcus, but he was like, Foster. Some, yeah, 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 yeah. He had some relationship with y'all. And so y'all came on my map, um, BBU, yeah. right? And so, man, I really fuck with the, the legacy and the yeah. space that y'all made. Um, I remember seeing y'all at that J. Cole's first show here, right, at the Bottom Lounge. Yeah, it's yeah, funny yeah. to think about him now, yeah, yeah. you know, doing multiple nights at the United Center. Yeah, and he was shaking our, he shook our hand one time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> remember you. Remember me? I'll yeah, and so it's funny, right, because y'all came to our school, y'all came to Grinnell. Yeah, you were the first Chicago artist ever right. interviewed. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, we kicked it, yeah, we kicked yeah, it in a little right. door room. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, no, y'all, y'all door rooms are dirty as hell. Yeah, they were. You was on South Campus. Yeah. bad over there. Those are some dirty people. And I, I interviewed y'all for like an hour and a half and then it didn't record. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah and so yeah. We, we had Eddie on here. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, because actually my, my mom and his dad go to church together. So I had known what? Eddie from back in the day. Really? Yeah, so that's been So we, we were talking, we were like, oh, we're going to finally document <laughs> the BBU story because we talked about how he interviewed y'all, got erased. And like, we, you know, we have this love. It's kind of like a generation under. I got a bunch of video footage of y'all we're, on it. We we're, we'll take it. it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll yeah, take but it. then what happened from that episode is that the first half got erased. <laughs> So we we got to talking about like his lawyership. Well, Eddie's like, first, yeah. So, but all the BBU story about uh, it being erased got erased. Got, got erased. So right, we'll have to come. So in yeah, let, let's. Right, yeah, right, that's yeah. what we should yeah, do. Yeah, we gotta know. do a BBU yeah. episode. But yeah, how, how do you reflect on that on that time? And when when did y'all really like 
come together and create that that entity. I think it was around 2010, and BBU was also part of a thing called ADHD, which is like this all black. This is back in when Wicker Park was like it was black folks here, mm-hmm. but we created like our own bike, like fixed gear biker crew, mm-hmm. which is like Ife, Kara, Amber, all of the folks, Jason, mm-hmm. Umar, and we're all part of the Q4 family, right? Mm-hmm. So Connect Four was uh, it was an underground like hip hop arena. Okay. Um, hip, it was like all arts like motherfuckers would go up there with harmonicas and flutes yeah. and like and a garbage can and make some form of a sound with it and everyone was like yeah because really, I don't know people were real <laughs> high were, there were some like, snaps right there were snaps and then you get up there and do poetry so it was really embracing of whatever you were trying to create so BBU was kind of birthed in that space like they took us serious like literally like after our f- second like open mic they had, there was like they were throwing BBU t-shirts at us we were like Wait, hold on. Mm. What's really happening? <laughs> and at the time, BBU was consisted of, it was like five people. It was Omar, Kamal, it was Stormy, it was me, Jason, and Mike. Okay. Right? So it was us us five, and we were BBU, and we didn't even know what that meant. We didn't have any songs recorded. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we would practice our songs outside and then go down and just rock out. <laughs> <laughs> then the mic sucked, so they didn't know we were messing up. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So that was, that was 2000. Did it, did it start for, as, as Bin Laden blowing up? Bin Laden blowing up, yeah, yep. Yeah, and yeah. then, like, uh, we got our first, like, write-up in the, in the news, and they're like, can you guys use something else? Because <laughs> we don't understand. And we didn't think that, you know, I mean, Jason is a slapstick-type dude. You yeah, know what I'm yeah. saying? So I don't think that he knew or we knew that it was going to blow up like it did. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we had Bin Laden blowing up. We were just like, fuck it. Yeah, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, just being talking to and you. Then, and then like we used Black, Brown, and Ugly for a while. And um, yeah, so we, we kind of used both names. Hmm. What's something that you learned through the experience of BBU that you carry with you in the world building that you're doing now? Shit. Uh, black magic is real. Hmm. Like I walk, I walk in the world... In a way that nothing's impossible now. You know what I'm saying? For me to be like literally in a homeless shelter mm-hmm. and then be on a stage at Lollapalooza, it gave me a sense of like, huh, we can do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, the fuck? I mean, we out here. You know what I mean? Like, we about to do this. You know what I'm saying? And like, yeah, it just gave it gave me just like a boost of like confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And, uh, and like, yeah, and then like never being, I have no fear of speaking. Yeah. Public speaking right, and stuff right, like right, that. Right. I just don't have fear around that. And um, the proverbial stage is comfortable, right? Yeah. It's like I'm. Let's just get it in. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. I don't know. And it, and and like the power of of words. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if you can get someone in a room and talk to them for a bit. Yeah, you do have that. Like, whether it's on mic, on stage, on panel, whatever. Like you are the same person on and off in a way that I think. I don't know. I don't, I aspire to be. And I, I see it a lot in you because like, we, when we've done Hudwaziz or whatever, like uh-huh. it feels like we could be having the same conversation. And then we just like walk in front of the microphone and it just continues. <laughs> so that that's interesting that like that comes from like maybe you. Yeah. yeah, it's like well, if we could do it with a song, it's much yeah. easier without the song to just talk <laughs> yeah. about what we're saying, you know. I'm being in struggle too with with each other hmm. and like how and do you know and like also learning what my boundaries were. BB mm. was a big boundary tester for me. Hmm. It was like in what way. In a lot of ways. I mean, I'm pretty sure when the documentary comes out, y'all y'all get all of the goods. When we do the episode. (laughs) But, you know, like, BBU was a a love, it was a challenging love story. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? You know, amongst brothers and commitments and 
allowing to never let my dreams be put in another person's hands. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that, that's one of the things that I learned is that like, which is also like the opposite, the opposite of like communism, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? Like, but just allowing space for myself to, um, I used to, this is one thing about me. Like I've always been, I can, I can put on, and this is, I guess this is a clip y'all can keep or add it. I'll tell you how I feel about it later. Right. <laughs> but like, I've always been confidently ashamed. Mm. Right. Of my mm. addiction and in my past, very afraid to step into the limelight. Mm. And I noticed this, so when I look back at my life, this is through bold as well that I would put people in front of me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, this is the reason I'm here. Mm. Never saying that, like, no, Rich, you're talented. Yeah, it's like if you think I'm good, check them out. Right, 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 Or that, or that, oh, I wasn't talented until I met you. Yeah. Or that, I, or I wasn't, I wasn't smart until I learned from you. Mm-hmm. Or that I wasn't like none of the things. And I think uh, that like my higher power, my ancestors, what they taught me through the BBU trip is like, look, unless you, if you don't put the same amount of value on loving you that you put on everybody else, because yeah. I love everybody infinitely, yeah. but I would go home not loving me. Yeah, and there's something about acknowledging uh, myself. More like if it's a BBU album, I'm going all out. I'm calling people with confidence. Like, this is BBU. But I won't do that for myself. Right. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you go as hard for yourself as you do for everyone else? Mm. Yeah. And that's not that's not to put everyone else to the side. No, right? it, makes it, it makes it better like, to go. You're better at than going hard for them. Right. But it's like, can you, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, at yeah. your core, can you, do you believe in you? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it used to be people that used to hit me up. I used to get notes from people. When it when I would get off stage when I was doing poetry and also mm. with, with hip hop and they were just like bro you the shit da, 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 and I would never believe it <laughs> you know what I'm saying so I think be, part of that BBU story I think for me one of the lessons learned is that like I gotta believe in me yeah you know what I'm saying and love my brothers but believe love my brothers and my family but also believe in me yeah. right and however far we get is because we were all great. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not like we were following greatness. You're not indebted to anybody. Right. Yeah. Not indebted to nobody. So I think that is big lesson through BBU. And and then like of course like bringing on like like having this like a camp of really dope black folks. Like our, our DJ was literally a, an attorney. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like there was like really I'm like, yeah, that's an attorney, bro. Like yeah. And also learning the game in the business. This is one thing I will say. I could have resentments with folks that about how BBU, you know, you know. Yeah, well, there are stories we can tell. Right, 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 right. I mean, but, I can't. You can. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, <laughs> I can tell that you could tell them. <laughs> right, but and I think I think over the years, what I've learned is there's a game in hip hop that is never really spoken of, <laughs> right? And and there's a way that us artists we give power to individuals that we have to go back and ask it back from. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? That we have to borrow some back from. Yeah. And I think that all of the young artists, the young shorties that are coming up in the game, right? Like you have to be aware that you are a business. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And if you don't approach it as this is a business, if you just if you just come in as a commodity and you get to be used as a commodity, yeah. right? There's a bunch of profit systems. Who's making your merch? Right. Right. Who's managing you? Where are those contacts going? Yeah. All of those things. And like BBU, we're just kind of like, we don't care. You know, yeah. like we're playing Lollapalooza. Was, I remember like we played Lollapalooza. We had to go back and ask our manager for passes. <laughs> And it was like, but we're the ones playing Lollapalooza. Yeah. Which, and, and, and that's not a problem. It was like, it was it was the fact that we hadn't, hadn't thought, play, yeah, yeah, we didn't think it through. Yeah. My suggestion to any young artist is to learn both how to be an artist and the business. Yeah. And I don't blame anybody for it, but because of the fact that we didn't learn the business part or didn't understand the, the magnitude of the moment, right, that 
we might have played ourselves in some ways that we sh- we shouldn't have. And it may not even been something that we wanted to engage in, but at least right. be knowledgeable yeah. of yeah. it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it could be something that we're like, oh, we didn't want to do that. Disengage but then at least you have power. the agency to yeah. make that choice. Make that just make that choice, right? So any young artist is coming up in the game, just be you know, shit. Just just know that you have a huge impact. Yeah, and 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 pyramids will be built built off of your creations, mm. and you need you need to just be aware of that. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, that's what I mean? beautiful. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's powerful. Real quick, last. Let's do like just a, one, one word. How are you feeling? Check out. Maybe is there something from this conversation that's sticking with you? Good and capitalism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the only time this whole conversation has two words in it. Next yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's word. our poke yeah. quote. Yeah. I'm just trying to link, bro. For real. Yeah. Yeah. We just gotta we just gotta chop it up. Let's do it. That's that's my checkout. And I'm just this language of formality and informality is super useful, I think, for me in trying to make sense of how goods, services, and people are manipulated and used. So thanks for bringing that for language sure. and that framework. Yeah. Anywhere people find you, any social uh, You can or... follow me on Twitter. Uh, follow the organization at EatOrgChicago. That's our Instagram. Chicago Eat is our Twitter. And my Twitter is Epic underscore RBG, because that's how old I am. We used to say RBG all the time. <laughs> <laughs> follow us. We at Ergo Radio everywhere. I'm, I'm at Ergo Kiss. Damon underscore AF. And we'll be back next week with another person reshaping the culture of our city for the more equitable (laughs) and creative. Much love to the people. Peace. Yeah. This episode of Ergo is brought to you by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad, so we didn't.